Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Floor and Decor. Largest selection of hard surface flooring and lowest prices guaranteed. Uh, Bob and Alan, how can I help you? Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you? Uh, good, good. Uh, shit, you taking my call. Um, I have a house that's about five years old, about 2,300 square feet, uh, just one story. And um, I'm trying to find, um, I've heard about some infrared um, device where you can add it to your central air so that you can reduce the, the like the allergy in your home. It's a yeah. system that can clean the air. And I'm not sure what to look for. And I, I need your help, please. Well, most of your uh, AC companies will have the, the different lights available to them. Uh, and basically, it goes in where the air passes through the coils and everything. And it, it's just a light that helps kill all the bacterias off and stuff like that. Now, that that's for killing um, not the pollens and stuff, but for killing off bacterias and you know stuff that gets us sick. If you're looking for something for allergies, for the pollens and, and all that, that's typically going to be in the filtration system. And for that, you typically add a media filter, uh, usually like a four-inch pleated filter. It goes in, again, up where the air handler is. And as the air goes through, it filters out all the small particles that, that your regular filter wouldn't pick up on. So you add the filter next to it? it basically, it's uh, just an extension of the air handler. And, yeah, it's just, it's just added in right there. And uh, then you can do away with the one-inch filters that you're using. And every, like, four to six months, you, you end up changing out that filter in the attic. Usually what most people do is let the AC guy handle it when they do in the spring and fall checkup. They can change the filter at the same time, and you don't ever have to worry about it. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Let let me call my AC company. Um, okay. Let me let me do that. Thank you very oh. much for your help, sir. You bet. You have a Merry Christmas. Yes. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Let's head over to Mesquite. And, Greg, this is Jim. How can I help you? Yeah, hi. I've got a, a brick veneer house built in 1953, and uh, I took the old rotten wooden shutters off the front, and now I have a white outline of a shutter where over the years the painters got off on the brick. Yeah. And I've tried yeah. uh, different products, power washing and wire brush and everything, and my brick is really, really rough and porous, but nothing seems to want to make it budge. I wonder if you had any suggestions. Yeah, the unfortunate thing is uh, it's probably down into the pores of the brick, so nothing is going to take it off completely. Uh, You've been hitting some of the stuff that, you know, I I obviously would have recommended as far as uh, that, but what I want you to try is some paint stripper. And just get get some of it and put it in in a, a spot where it's not sticking out like a sore thumb. Uh, just to make uh-huh. sure it it doesn't, you know, mess up the the face of the brick, but a paint stripper will tend to cause it to bubble up. I think you're still going to see it some, but it'll take uh-huh. out like ninety five percent of it typically. 
Oh, that would be great. But some That'd of the paint or some some of the uh, brick, depending on you know the the style, sometimes it'll eat on their finish a little bit, and so it would show, and you wouldn't want to do it then. But uh, for most brick, yeah. the paint stripper will be fine. And you know, all it does is when you put it on there, it's kind of like a gel, and it will cause the paints to blister and then you hit it with the pressure washer again and that cleans everything off of it okay okay i'll try that i heard you talking about painting brick and that might be my last resort <laughs> <laughs> well give the give the, the the folks over there at uh spray net a call if you do that because uh you know you can go in the stores and get paint to paint brick the the uh-huh. big trick and it just is for everybody listening you got to make sure you use the right underlayment under the paint uh, because if you don't, if moisture goes through, it gets behind, that paint will peel. Okay. All right. Well, hey, thank you for taking my call. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you as well. Uh, Janet in Dallas, how can I help you? Hi, Jim. We have a tri fuel generator. It's portable, it's on a rack, it's new. And I was going to hire an electrician to hook it up to the fuse box. Uh-huh. He recommended a 10-circuit transfer switch manual. Okay. And so we want, I wanted to store it in the garage rather than outside. So he asked me about the exhaust, and I'm wondering if we could just Keep it in if if the day comes when we use it. Keep it in the garage and open the garage door a bit for the exhaust, or if it has to be wheeled out to the carport. It would need to be wheeled out, and then make okay. sure the, the that the exhaust is turned away from the house. Okay. And and okay. the reason for that, if you turn the exhaust say towards the house, it literally can bounce off the walls and go up through the soffits. Uh, into the house through the soffit vents and such. Uh, and that's the same with it being in the garage. Uh, none of them are allowed to, to set it up where it would be operating in inside a space like that. Okay. And it has to be turned on manually, but I'm wondering if it's turned on and then the power in the house comes back on, will it automatically turn off or does it have to be manually turned off? Well, what'll turn? What'll be automatic is the that switch box that he's putting in. Uh huh. That will, when you turn that box on, that will operate your house off the generator if there's no other power. But once the the public power comes back up, that box should shut the feed off from the generator and feed you back from the power lines. But your generator, if it unless there's a switch that's attached to the box would stay running until you go out and shut it off. Oh, I get it. Okay, great. Thank you very much. You bet. You take Merry care. Christmas. Merry you. Christmas and Happy New Year. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And 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 that's all for safety purposes. Uh, they, they don't worry about whether your generator's running or not. What they worry about is if the power company starts working on the lines and you are got your generator running... They don't want it back feeding down the line. And so that box that they're mounting is to separate the the, the uh, public line from your private generator so that the, the two powers don't feed back on each other. 
Chris in Fort Worth, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Yeah, hey, Jim, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Hey, I got an interesting question. Uh, I live in an older area in Fort Worth. Uh, they, they don't have curbs out in front of my house. Uh, it's about six feet from the, the edge of the road to, I got a, a front chain link fence. And my neighbors, they, uh, they kind of run a little bit of a business out of their house, so there's a lot of a lot of people always parking on the street over there. Uh-huh. They have worn down a gigantic rut, deep rut, killed my grass in front of my house between the road edge and where my grass is now. It's about two and a half, almost three feet of just dirt, ruts. It, it's horrible. Right. Is there anything that I actually have available to me? Like, can I build a curb myself? Can I... Uh, uh, any sort of landscaping that'll be like, hey, obviously don't park here. I, I have no idea. I, I, I didn't think you were able to butt up directly to, like, the, the roadway, correct? That, that is correct in most cases. But it's also going to depend on what the city code is in that area and what they have for easement. Uh, if the city has an easement, which in most areas they do, they they actually have stuff on the books that will tell you what you can and can't put out there. Mm. Okay. Uh, how would I go about finding that? Do you know? Yeah, go to the permit department. Okay. And they should be able to tell you what you can and cannot do in that given area. Now, sometimes it's difficult to get a hold of the right person in the permit department because if you go to just the uh, people at the counter... They normally have to refer you to somebody in the back office who does approvals of plans and such. But okay. it's usually not real difficult to get. Okay. All right. So it looks like I can't really do too much myself. I've just got some cones out there at the moment. And, uh, well, those have been run over a few times. Yeah. So I'm getting a little more than frustrated at this point. Yeah, now one caution thing, don't put anything that if it was hit by a car would damage the car because that person could come back after you for the damage. That's a good point. <laughs> That's a good point. I guess me, uh, my idea of tossing some roofing tacks out there is probably a no-go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> okay. Hey, you know, I appreciate the information. And I listen to your show on Saturdays as I'm heading to work, which I'm actually on my way there now. I always enjoy your show. I, I just wanted to let you know that. Well, I appreciate that, Chris. And uh, you have a, a Merry Christmas and a, and a Happy New Year. You too. Thank you. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. There, There is, at this time of year... A lot of people who are firing up their fireplace for the first time, just be aware the chimney does need to be cleaned periodically. Uh, As you use a fire, the soot builds up. The type of wood you burn can make a huge difference on how much soot builds up. Uh, As an example, oak is not going to do as bad as pine. You don't burn pine in the fireplace. I'm just using it as an example. But... Uh, If you haven't cleaned your fireplace in years, I really want to encourage you to get a chimney sweep out there to check it out just so we don't have any issues. Just a little side note here on Texas Home Improvement. Rick in Dallas, how can I help you? Yes, sir. I've got a 
living in a duplex. It was built in the early 80s. Uh-huh. And it's got, in the air ducts, we've just noticed last time they serviced it that um, the outside cover on some of the air ducts, especially return air ducts that you can see, the rest of them are covered with insulation. But the outside coating, the plastic coating is splitting. Yep. And you can see the uh, the inside stuff. Yeah, the plastic coating on the ductwork itself. Yes. It's kind of a gray color. Uh, yes. Okay. And I just wonder if that something needs to be taken care of yes. pretty soon, or it, it is because what happens is inside, underneath that gray, there's going to be insulation, and then there's a tube inside, and that tube will start to sweat as the cold air goes through it, and that can actually sweat enough where it starts getting into your insulation of the house, gets into the sheetrock, and starts causing damage. So um, the the ductwork you're talking about is actually not made any longer because what they found is that plastic was deteriorating in the heat in the attics and opening it up. So now the ductwork is done with a mylar-type uh, uh, aluminum look on the outside of it that holds up to it and that also helps as a radiant barrier uh, with keeping the air temperature proper inside for your ductwork. And your that gray stuff had an R6 value of, on the insulation. Now minimum coat is R8 plus that radiant barrier on the outside. Uh, it actually helps to make the, the whole system more energy efficient as well. So you're, you're looking at having to do a duct replacement eventually. In the meantime... You can put insulation around it and just use some of the silver duct tape, which is true duct tape, not the gray stuff that we all use at, at home, but what AC contractors use. And you can get it at the box stores, but that'll buy you several years of, of use still of that duct work before you got to replace it. Yeah, I'll probably, probably just have it replaced. I'm not able to get up there and do stuff like that so well your ac contractor can do it for you as well though okay all right and i have a second question if i can sure. go ahead uh, in the guest bathroom we have a skylight and uh-huh. uh, the guest bathroom has got eight foot ceilings but the skylight goes up and it's probably another eight foot right and i, I noticed when i was looking at the duct work that i guess when they built the house they just stuck bat insulation and i don't know if they just glued it or nailed it up there but two pieces of that have totally fallen off so that oh yeah shaft going up there doesn't have any insulation do you recommend having somebody put that bat insulation back up or maybe blowing some um insulation blow on insulation or no you can just have the bat put back up i mean Typically, when insulation is put in, they just use a staple gun and staple the paper, which is to the inside. And, you know, over time, those staples do deteriorate. And being exposed in the attic, it allows it to fall. But when it's in a wall cavity, the insulation doesn't fall. So, But you can just put that back up, and they can, you know, put a a wire around to hold it in place. Anything to hold it up there in place will will be fine. Head to Sugarland. Philip, how are you today? I'm doing fine. I have well, a how can I help you? 
I have a question about a tree that sticks to my house. It's my neighbor's tree. It's an oak tree. I believe it's a water oak or a live oak. Uh, I'm not too sure what the oaks are. But I'm, the root is real close to my house. I would say about 10 feet away. Uh-huh. And, oh, the, and uh, all our electrical, our electrical box is there. Our uh, plumbing's there coming into the house. Uh, we're thinking about putting a root barrier there. Okay. Um, is there another way around that or any suggestions about that? Well, if the, your two choices when a, when a tree is uh, in that proximity to the foundation are to either put a root shield in order to protect the foundation or cut the tree down. And since it's on the neighbor's property, that's not leaving you a whole lot of choices. No, it's not. Now, root root shields, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of different variants in the root shields. Uh, some companies will use a fabric that has root inhibitor beads, and moisture will still travel back and forth between the two sides. Uh, I personally, at Due West, we use a high-density plastic that moisture does not travel because if the moisture can travel through it, the tree is taking moisture out, and through capillary action through the soils, it would still continue to take the moisture out. And you want to keep the house foundation wet, so uh, we typically use that high-density plastic to, to keep that from happening. Okay, that's good. Uh, the uh, thing about the electrical and the plumbing, will Centerpoint come out and more or less tell me where to dig or... How yes. Be getting, or I yeah. They uh, before you dig, you have to call. There's a an eight one one number uh, that yes, you sir. call, and they'll send people out that will mark where the water lines are, where the electric lines, where the uh, gas lines, and all that stuff. But understand, they're only marking before the meters. So typically, anything that is your responsibility, they don't mark. Oh, I got you. Oh, right. Well, that, that helps me a lot before I start digging. Uh, now, right, one one side it. note, if you're going to dig it, uh, the other thing that a lot of companies do is they only put like an 18 or 24-inch barrier in. Make sure you go 36 inches. And the reason for that, the roots are typically in the top 18 inches. And if you only go down 24, the tree roots will typically just go underneath that and yes it takes a few years for them to do it but they'll go under it and keep going at 36 they don't go that deep and so that stops it and you don't have to worry about it down the road what's typically the first sign that i see that uh the roots of are messing up my foundation will it just be crack foundation no it's not really a crack foundation you gotta worry about but you'll start seeing uh sheetrock cracks and uh Brick veneer cracks, doors going out of alignment, things like that. All right, sir. I appreciate it. You bet. You take care and have a Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. My husband has tried to start this fireplace and the gas pilot light will light, but the burner will not come on. Could it be the thermal couple? Any other suggestions as to cause the burner not to light? Thanks. And that's a, a gas direct vent fireplace insert with electric fan blower. Well, Rhonda, actually, there's several things that could be causing the problem. Uh, yes, it could be the thermal coupler because if the uh, 
pilot light will light up and stay on as long as you're holding the button. But once you let go of the button uh, to light it and want to turn it to on, it goes out. Then that's an indication that the thermocoupler has gone bad. If the pilot stays on, but you just don't get the burner to go, well, then that's a different situation. Now you're getting into the uh, the gas supply box, basically, the, the regulator uh, that could have an issue. So it, it depends on exactly what all the sequence is. But the thermocoupler, again, if the pilot is on and you can't get stuff going, it is a likely cause. So uh, they are relatively inexpensive to change out. So that's probably where I would begin my check. Tom in Cyprus, how can I help you? Hey, Jim, got a question for you about AC systems. Um, I'm, I'm aware that there's some new rules coming next year, I guess, and, and the efficiency and the cost is all going up on this stuff, from what I understand. Right. And I have a 25-year-old system. It's the original system, at least the outside units are the original system to the house. Uh, it's a 97 home that we're in, and, and they still work fine. I mean, it blows cold air in the uh, in the summertime, no issues there. Keep them maintained. The, the indoor systems have been uh, changed out back around 2015. I got some leaks up there, and so the inside evaporator coils um, were changed out then. Um, and the guy, he, he, he replaced a valve in it, a TXV valve or something like that, so I could right. continue using the R22, even though these were designed for 410. So really what my question is, is, is it worthwhile to consider on a 25-year-old outdoor system to change out those outside units before the higher-cost systems come and, and, and what I'm thinking about is, is there any backwards compatibility issues with the inside units I've already replaced and, and work fine? Um, and any other issues like contamination problems, anything like that with my R22 system and you put in the newer units. So yes. that's kind of where my questions are. I have so lots of questions and I don't understand this new, okay. uh, these new rules coming. So, well, I tell you what, I'm... If you don't mind, that music means i got to take a quick break. Let me put you on hold real quick, and when I come back, we'll address these issues here on Texas Home Improvement. So we're talking with Tom from Cyprus, and uh, he's got a question as far as an older system that he's looking at, the new codes for air conditioning systems. And, And, Tom, the first thing you need to probably recognize is the jump in the SEER rating. Um, You probably had a from the time frame that you were just talking about, I would guess probably a 13-seer system. Um, okay. Currently, with the new codes, you could have a 14-seer this year. We're jumping all the way to what is now a 16-seer system uh, because the government has changed the testing requirements, which is now changing the ratings on the system. So what was a 15 Sear now has to be a 16. Uh, so there's you're, you can expect on that alone probably a 15% jump in the cost of changing out a system after the first of the year. Um, 
the next thing is you're still running R22 and most of the new systems are no longer compatible with the R22. Uh, there are some things that some uh, new coolants that can be the R22 taken out and change out for these new coolants. So that is still available for you. Uh, so I wouldn't w lose any sleep over that part of it. Uh, they do cost a little bit more to, to use than the 410A, but quite frankly, EPA is messing with 410A now, and we're all going to be going to different coolants down the road anyway. So again, I wouldn't use that as, as my guide as far as do I need to change it out now. And the last thing I will tell you is because of such a major jump, the government is already telling us that there's going to be some tax credits and I imagine some rebates and stuff coming for new systems that are installed. Uh, and how much of a tax credit and rebate you get will depend on your income level and the type of system you put in. The higher SEER rating, the, the higher the credit you'll get. But uh, one of the big things is, is yours all electric or do you have gas? I have gas heat on it. Okay. The the people that have all electric and put in a heat pump, they're going to get the, the biggest tax credits and rebates versus uh, gas systems and, and, and that that you have. So, you know, it's darned if you do and darned if you don't. Uh, out of pocket is definitely going to be cheaper to do it before the first of the year. But in the long run, if you can wait for the tax credits and all that kind of stuff, uh, I don't think there's going to be a huge spread, probably a 5% spread when it's all said and done. Okay, so not that big of a cost difference. And, and as just to clarify, as far as compatibility, uh -huh. so I have, you know, fairly new inside evaporator coils. I would be right. able to use one of the new units outside, and the technicians will be able to figure out what kind of coolant they need to make that all compatible. That's, Correct. That's now, it's, it's obviously going to depend on what you have inside for the unit, but... In most cases, uh, since that was put in, you said in 15, correct? Yes. Yeah, in most cases, there should still be something that's compatible with it. Now, the the downside issue of that by uh, getting something that's compatible with it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the most energy efficient with it. Uh, for the most sure. energy efficiency, you'd end up replacing both of them. But, uh, yes, there still should be something available that's compatible. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, and I understand the energy efficiency comment, but my guess is whatever it is, is probably better than the outside units I have out there right now. <laughs> well, if it's 20 years old, I can guarantee you, because, uh, you know, it, it might have been a 13 seer rating when you put it in, but through years of wear and tear on it, it's probably operating at an eight right now. Sure. Sure. Okay. So it doesn't sound like especially if the outside units are still cooling just fine, no issues with them. There's no pressing. Um, I'm not hearing anything pressing that says, yeah, you ought to try to find your system now and change it out um, versus Look, just wait and see what if happens. If it was me, uh, if I had a system that was still working and I wasn't having any issues with it, I would probably leave it alone. 
if I had a system that I knew was going to have to be replaced in the next year, I'd be looking at trying to do it before the first of the year. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, that will give me some uh, information to think about. I appreciate it. You bet. You take care. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. You too, Jim. Let's head to League City. Hello, Bill. Howdy, howdy. Well, how can I help you today? Okay. I heard your uh, caller about the insulation. He was building a beach house. Yes. Well, we've got a house built in the early 1900s on block and beam. And I, I need some more information about the insulation you were talking about because I need to do the floor. I got the okay. attic done. I got most of the walls done. But we need to do something on the floor. And I have heard the bit about the fiberglass batting being bad. Yes. So I've also heard something about the uh, blue slab insulation that you can see at all the home improvement stores. Up north, I think they've used that in between the floor joists. You know, yeah, you're talking about the, the just those uh, boards slicing it to fit in there? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know what material they are, but there's some flavor of insulation. Yeah, it's it's, it's a foam insulation, but it, it's a precast. Yeah, yeah. So my question is, what am I going to do about the floors? Uh, I, you know, he's up on... 10, 12, 15-foot poles, and I, right. you know, maybe a foot and a half off the ground. Yep. So is that spray, the closed-cell insulation, the best bet? Yep. Okay. And and the reason for that, you're actually going to probably have more humidity in that space than he will under his home. Where the, oh, yeah. where they're running into problems with these stilt homes is they they have people putting insulation in and then putting... Uh, a cover over it, and that's just trapping humidity in there. Right. Um, on a crawl space home like you have, you know you can vent it and and, uh, and and keep the humidity levels under control. But if you have a fiberglass or a cellulose or something like that, it's still going to hold moisture against the wood, and that's what becomes the the problem. Um, you you can actually crawl underneath with the guns for doing the spray foam and insulate the crawl space. It's it's a lot of work and, and takes time, but that is one way of doing it. Um, but I, I typically ask this same question to people. How old did you say this house is? As best we can figure, it was built prior to 1906. Okay. Why now does it need insulation? Well, I'm trying to control energy costs, one, trying to make it more livable during the winter. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the freeze of a year ago, two years ago. Right. But that was, you know, we two weeks almost without heat. So, yeah, we kind of got, got God at that point, got religion. <laughs> and we pulled the carpets when we bought the place. Right. It was nasty, ugly, orange carpeting. And we have nice wooden floors. And we want to enjoy them, yep. and we don't want to freeze. And I will so, tell you that the spray foam or no insulation in the crawl space is going to do a whole heck of a lot on your energy bill. It, it, it helps very, very minor. Um, it does do a little bit to make the floors a, a little bit more comfortable in the winter months 
but honestly, it doesn't do away with them being cold completely. Uh, I typically tell people, if that's the issues you're having, get some very nice fuzzy slippers. Got those. <laughs> those are, you know, between the months of like mid-October to maybe mid-March. Yep. Those get worn a lot. Yes. And that's honestly, that's the same thing I do in, in my house. Uh, and, and even if you've got a concrete slab and you got wooden floors or tile on the floors, you've got the same issue. They're, they're just cold in the oh, winter yeah. months. And oh, yeah. so, yes, you can do the spray foam and, uh, will it help some? Absolutely. But I, I, for most people, they're still disappointed in, in how the floors feel. Well, I'm I'm not terribly concerned about how the floors feel so much as I am just about. Well, yes, I am concerned, but sure having a little more warmth in the house. Yeah, I mean, we've got ten and a half foot ceilings at the same time, so the cold radiating up through that floor yep. doesn't do us a whole lot good when the ceiling's ten and a half foot tall. Yeah, well, you know, if if you want to give Due West a call, we actually have yeah. a rig for doing that. And uh, yeah, there's not very many people who are willing to crawl underneath and, and do the spray foam that way. But uh, we do have the, the rig, and, and yes, we do do it. Well, I've been under my house many times, you know, repairing leaks and sure. the assorted crap that happens because we old an old ha- own an old house. Right. So the crawling part isn't that big deal. But Due West has the rig, and they yep. can do it. Yep. Okay. Perfect. I know who I want to call next. And, and I would love to send my nephew underneath there to do that because I know he's going to get nice and dirty and muddy. Oh, well, I mean, if you've got a hard spot for him right now, <laughs> send him on down. I can have him dig some ditches for the, the plumbing. Well, when when we're at uh, Christmas uh, dinner next weekend, I will make sure to let him know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're cruel. <laughs> I have been told that before. <laughs> Bill, you have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and I look forward to hearing from you. You have a good one, Take care. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.